Hi, this is Charlie Peck for the Thriving School Community Podcast. Hi, you guys. Listen, we have Dr. Cameron Caswell back on today. And before we dive into what Cam can do for you all, um, we are going to, first of all, say hello, Dr. Cam. Sorry. Hello. It's so good to see you again, Charlie. Be on I know. The podcast. Well, I am so excited about anytime you're on here because as people probably already know, is you and I created this book together. And not only this book, it's the book is exciting because it had a place for all of our ideas and our discussions, right? Um, and for those of you on the YouTube channel right now, you can see it right behind me. I kind of stick it there. But it's because like we we have a framework now and so many people yeah. are asking us, right? So can you just, for people who haven't heard you before, can you just give people a, a little gist about what you do? Absolutely. So I'm an adolescent psychologist and I work with parent. I'm a parent coach too. And so I work with parents and their teenagers to really help them improve their relationship. I found that the main cause of conflict between parents and teens, and let's, let's face it, most adults and teens is miscommunication and we misunderstand and misinterpret teen behavior and teen tone and everything else. And so that creates a lot of um, friction. And so I really help parents understand their teenagers and improve that communication. I also help teens understand what's going on with them and normalize what's going on with them um, and help them learn to cope, learn to communicate, learn to address and, and regulate their emotions. So that's what I mainly do. Um, the focus and the reason we got together is because your focus is on improving mental health as well. Um, but you're really focused on the school atmosphere. I'm focused on the home atmosphere. And we both realize that they impact each other significantly. And if you help the atmosphere or the environment in one without the environment in the other, we're having that stress spillover and we cause chaos and mis miscommunication and misbehavior and everything else in the other, in the other environment. So we really want to address it in both places to make real change. Absolutely. And and there's a lot there. So in my mind, as I'm hearing you, if I'm an outsider, I'm an, an education leader listening to this, I'm thinking, well, why would we have an adolescent psychologist who works with teens writing a book with somebody who has a background in education and mental health in that perspective. And you said it, it's so important because our two environments, they have to both support our kids. And that's really all about the kids, isn't it? So it what, are you, what are you seeing over and over when you're working with clients who are kids and families, what's going on in our schools from their perspective coming when they're coming to see you? Um, the biggest issue I see and really the number one cause of anxiety and, and overwhelm and stress is the pressure of them to succeed in school, but also the pressure their parents are putting on them. What's really hard is a lot of the parents don't feel like they're putting pressure on their kids. They're saying, it's okay, do your best. But what I've noticed is their direct words say that, their indirect messages say the absolute opposite. Um, we also have an environment in a school environment where it's all about the grades and performance. And when we start putting our value on just what is our grade, what is our test score, we lose everything else that actually does create our value and we start lowering the value of that. And so a lot of kids feel like 
nobody appreciates them for them. They don't feel like they bring anything to the table other than their grades. And if they're struggling with their grades, that's a problem. But even the kids that are doing really well with their grades, they are bitter because of that, because they're like, that's not, I'm more than that. And what it happens if I don't do well, then if I'm known as a smart kid and I don't do well, then who am I? So I see a lot of kids just giving up. They're just giving up. They don't go to school. They don't try to study or do any of that. They just fight back. They've, they've given up. And I see that a lot. Yeah. And that's an incredible pressure on our kids, especially these days. Oh my goodness. Let's go back to something you said, because I think people, parents, especially, um, and a lot of educators are parents too, by the way, I think what we need to do is give an example of when you say that there's a, a direct message that parents are giving, but the indirect message is where kind of the negativity is coming through, even though they, they may know it's kind of there, but don't think that the, their kids suspect it's there. Right. Yeah. I, I, Tell I us mean, more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is one of the, some of the ways I see it frequently, um, when our kids get an A, we make a big deal about it. Oh my gosh, she got an A. This is so great. When they don't get an A, sometimes it's even a B, but when they don't do well, it's an issue. What went wrong? And a lot of times, even when kids do well on a test, it's kind of like good, but when they do poorly, it becomes this urgent sense of, oh my gosh, we've got to change something. Something's wrong. What's going on? And it becomes a big deal. When we even see it, and I've had parents that go, we, had, we don't make a big deal out of grades. And I go, but when they get an A, what do you say? Well, they celebrate it. When they get a C, what do you say? Oh, well, you could do better next time. That's not not caring about grades. That's not putting, that's saying you failed. We're going to allow you to fail, but you already failed. So the message is your value and what we're doing is based off of your grade. And it's not based off of, hey, did you do better this time than last time? Do you feel like you're learning anything? How do you feel about your grade, right? What do you think is relevant? What are you passionate and interested about? And what do you need to learn in order to pursue that? Kids are not meant and adults are not meant to be experts in every single subject. So when I see kids that go, I'm an A student, they then go into middle or high school, which is a lot harder. They struggle to keep those A's up, particularly now they have so many more um, subjects that they're covering. They have more complicated subjects that they're covering. They're trying to do APs and they're forced to, like you're supposed to excel in every single class. It's a lot of pressure rather than saying, what are you really interested in? What are you learning? What are you exploring? And focusing on the effort that they're making. Um, that's one of the ways we do it. And I think that's because us as adults have been programmed to believe that our kids' future depends on their grades. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there, Dr. Kim, because I'm sitting here listening and I'm feeling like a parent here and I'm feeling like an education leader here. And my, my questions are different than when you and I have yes. our conversations. So because we're, we need to address parents in our school community as a part of the solution to improve mental health, that's really what this is about. Um, can you kind of talk about the message you 
think that we need to be sending instead, which I heard a little bit about it, but I also heard, I'm also wondering like, what about like when they do get a C, what if they typically get A's and then they got the C? We really don't, do we really want to celebrate C's like we would celebrate A's or, or, and I think I know the answer, but, or do we just need to adjust our thinking around that grade because we live in the school system that does happen to grade us? You know, if a kid is, you know that your kid is not doing what their potential is, how do you actually handle that? Let's talk about I, that. I think first of all, celebrating A's right there is where we might go astray because from a lot of the kids I've seen, the A's don't represent what they've learned. It doesn't represent their abilities. It represents their ability to remember and put down and know the system. That that's what it's doing. Most of them don't have value in that A. The A to them is is like I feel good because my parents are proud of me, but I don't feel good because it doesn't mean anything to me except for the fact that I'm told I should do that. Okay, right? so, so I I I agree with you. You know I do. You know yeah. I appreciate that. What do we say to parents then, and and a part of our school communities that? know that their kid actually wants to go into certain uh, programs that you have to have A's. You do need to have those A's. And so their parent is, their heart's in the right place. They're like, well, we know what that system is too. And in order to get to those programs and those opportunities that we know that you're capable of getting, then you do have to get those A's. So how do we treat that? This is where it becomes challenging because as parents, we get this sense of urgency. If we back off, we don't ride all the time to push them to get those A's, they're not going to be able to get into the right school to get into that, right? What I'm seeing is that when parents are the ones constantly doing the riding, constant, it becomes about the grades become more important and more their grades than their kids' grades. What they're doing is they are stealing the opportunity for their kids to develop the skills they actually need to be successful out in the world. They're robbing them of the opportunity to learn how to fail and learn from that. They're not learning how to manage their own time. They're not learning how to find their internal motivation that pushes them or their persistence. They're also decreasing the connection and influence they have on their kids long-term because they're becoming the bully and the, and the, the enemy in this rather than part of the team saying, I want you to achieve your goals just as much as you do. What are your goals? They might not know. What do you love, right? I, as a parent, have some great ideas of what I think my daughter would do well or what good jobs are, but I'm not my daughter. My daughter is the only one that knows what truly drives her, what truly makes, motivates her. And when she looks through school from that lens and looks through education through that lens, she goes and educates herself more than I see sometimes in school, but even in school, she'll find those things that she relates to and that interest her. And she excels when she does that because now there's a reason for it. What I'm seeing lacking with a lot of kids is they do not resonate with what's being taught. They don't see the relevancy to their own lives. And a lot of the things that are relevant to them, gaming, 
social media, YouTube, TikTok, those are actually things that are often banned or looked down upon or like waste of time. So the things that they love have devalued waste of time when actually they're tools that they could be learning from, right? We need to go and do the things that we don't learn well from, like going and staying up in your room and trying to focus on something that's boring for a really long period of time. It's not, there's other ways to learn. So I think what we need to is adjust. So when it comes to parents, and here, here's what's hard because I've gotten emails from teachers and I know that feeling of you feel scolded yourself. I feel like, oh my gosh, the teacher's pointing out my failure as a parent because my child's not doing what they quote should be doing. And I've learned to brush that off because they don't know my child the way I know my child. And their focus on education is important, but it's not the only education I know my daughter's getting. Right. So that becomes less of a panic. Oh no, now I got to go push my daughter to do what she needs to do and get that homework in so she's not in trouble. To going up to my daughter and saying, Hey, I got an email. I know you've got this under control. Do you have a plan? Do you need help? And she owns it. As I've done that, she struggled sometimes, but increasingly she's getting better and better and better at it because it's her, she owns it. And she's learning the skills. She's doing it. I'm not doing it. And that's what really is amazing is that when she gets out of school, her grades may not be straight A's, but she will know how to problem solve. She will know how to go and advocate for herself. She will know how, right? There's so many skills that she's learned how to do through the process. Yeah. I mean, there, again, there's a lot there, Dr. Cameron. It's so helpful because I think these are questions that we all have, not only as parents, but as educators, as we're working with parents to help the kids su succeed, right? That's what we all really want. And I know you told me before that parents actually typically want really good things for their kids, but the way they're going. hundred percent. Yeah. So if you were working in a school community, and you have the opportunity to work with parents and educate them. How would you use that so that they could be better partners with the teachers then? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I tell parents and I encourage teachers is to always look beyond what they see as the problem. So when we see, so let's say it's grades, their kids are doing poorly, their grades are bad. The typical reaction that I often see is we take their phone away, we ground them, we nag them, we push them, we do whatever we can to force them to do their homework. The problem is we're not addressing why they're struggling with their homework, right? We make an assumption that they're struggling because they're distracted. But what I've seen is they become distracted because they're struggling. We make the assumption that they could easily do it and they're lazy and choosing not to. What I've seen is kids don't know how to get started or they feel overwhelmed by it or they're just feel so much pressure to succeed at it that it becomes too much. So when we push, 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 push without addressing the problem underlying, we're not helping anyone. How do we team up with teachers? I, I We need to be on the teacher side too. Teachers are trying to teach our kids. That is their job. And so they're struggling a lot because 
the kids are feeling pressured. The kids are acting out. They're misbehaving in class. They're upset with the parents because parents are sending misbehaving kids to school. But a lot of the pressure the kids are feeling and reasons they're misbehaving is because of the pressure they have at school <laughs> that their parents now feel obligated to push them at, right? And then teachers are burned out and they're not able to then interact with kids. So I think if we start teaming and saying, let's look together at what the issue is, let's stop making assumptions. Let's say there's more to this. Let's figure out what that child needs because parents need to be able to help the teachers uncover that. The teachers don't have time to uncover what's going on with every single child. Parents need to uncover that. But when they uncover that, they can use that information and give that information to the teachers to help them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, gosh, the more adults we have there to support the kids, that alleviates the burden for all of us too, right? I mean, yeah. it really is, it's helpful. And so what about those kids who they already know they don't really want to be in your class. They don't like your class for whatever reason, and they just don't want to do the work. But you know that if they continue on that path, even though they don't care that they're going to fail, they're going to miss opportunities. What is your advice there? What are you thinking? This is a point where we have to first listen to the kids, because I think a lot of times we spend most of our time trying to convince them to just do the homework and suck it up. Just, we try to convince them and give them, this is what your life's gonna be if you don't do it. A lot of these kids, this just adds to the pressure because they already believe if I don't excel in this, my life future is ruined. I don't feel like I can excel in it, so why even bother? And then we just keep sending the message that that's already overwhelming them. Instead of going down to, Let's talk about why you hate this class. And it's okay. You're allowed to hate this class. You're allowed. Yeah. It's a sucky class. I will say, Charlie, I just went and did a, a present. <laughs> I went to a presentation and it was only a 45 minute presentation. And I wanted to pluck my eyes out. It was so <laughs> boring. I couldn't stand it. And I turned to my daughter and I go, what is going on? She goes, mom, this is what I have to sit through every single day. And I go, I, I, I wouldn't be able to, I would not have been able to sit. I could barely sit through for 45 minutes. And this is not to yell at that teacher. It's just to say, these kids are sitting there all day long, listening about stuff they do not care about with expectations and not allowed to talk with each other, not allowed to have the downtime, getting in trouble whenever they say anything. Um, they don't all day long. It's like going to a job you absolutely hate, but not getting paid and getting in trouble if you take a sick day and not allowed to quit. Right. And you have to bring it home with you. Yeah, I don't think no, any of, I think all of us would have pretty bad attitude. Cause I know I've been in situations like that as an adult, I had a really bad attitude, Yeah, but I'm an adult. So I was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Well, so yeah. I, I think we need to sympathize and validate with our kids. This is not easy. It is not easy. Let's sit with that and let's work with them and set them up to succeed with it and just say, what do you need to do next? Let's just do the smallest next step. Just one small thing. Mm -hmm. What is it? If it's overwhelmed, let's figure one small thing to make it just a little bit less overwhelming. We're going to take it step by step. It's okay. Yeah. I love when you talk about like giving 
like giving them ownership and giving them choice and giving them options. Because a lot of times, like you said, they feel like they have nowhere to go. They feel helpless. They feel so powerless. And part of what you and I did is we created tools to give adults to help kids with these kinds of problems. Is there a tool that you can think about that you might, if you were equipped as a parent in that school community that you might use with a kid that would help? Yeah. I mean, I love the curiosity chain right there. And it's really a matter of saying, okay, I'm my child, my child is struggling in, in math. My child used to be a straight A student in math. I know my child has potential to do really well in math and they're not. Instead of going with making an assumption there, start with the assumption. There's something more going on. And you ask yourself, I wonder what's going on. What we want to do is we want to replace our criticism and our judgment and our fear with curiosity. And so when we say to ourselves, I am making the assumption that there is more than I see to the story. I need to talk to them and figure that out. And so we talk to them and that opens that opportunity off. One of the trickiest parts, and then we get to empathetic listening. One of the trick is another one I love. And with empathetic listening, it's about under putting yourself in their shoes. So we have a lot of like active listening and paying attention. The basis of that is you can't be talking. If you're talking, you are not listening. And I'll have a lot of parents who will, will make this session about their child talking and the parent will talk the entire time. As soon as one word is entered, the child, the parent will then correct it and argue it and say why that's wrong rather than saying, let me be quiet and let me understand what it's like to look through their eyes. I want to understand what it is to be in their seat. How are they feeling right now in this situation from their perspective? And when we try to see it from their perspective, we start asking the right questions because we, we know what we need to ask to understand, right? It's not something that's like prescribed. It becomes more authentic and genuine. And we're trying to understand. And then we understand what's going on. Only when we understand from their perspective what's going on, can we sit there and help them understand and and just guide them, not tell them, but guide them and help them to find a solution. It's solution-based. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think we would, if we could all just focus on solving the problems and understanding what's going on underneath instead of constantly labeling kids, but also each other. So you and I work with teachers sometimes too, um, together. Sometimes you and I have these conversations with teachers who are are making the same complaints. And so that's why it's adaptable to even leaders who are working with adults and staff who are disenfranchised. And I believe that we have so much hope for the future of our education system. When a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's exactly what I'm talking about. We have to have hope. And so Again, when you and I work with these, the whole school community, talk about what it will look like when everyone is equipped to, number one, think this way, but also to have tools that can respond to solve those problems. Yeah. So the whole point is right now, a lot of our solutions for mental health is geared towards teaching students the tools, which we love. Students want these tools. The problem that we see and why mental health still is a very big issue and continues to be a bigger issue um, is that we are throwing them right back into the same environments that are causing the problem. 
And kids do not have the authority or pull to change the dynamic. They can have all the skills in the world, but if everyone around them don't have those skills, they're not going to be able to change. And they end up just falling right back into the same behaviors because those were self-preservation behaviors. Those were defense mechanism behaviors. They're using that not to cause problems, but to protect themselves from the problems they see around them or that they're experiencing. So our goal is to teach these skills to the teachers, the staff, the leaders, the bus driver, everyone, and to the parents and caregivers. Because the way we liken this is if you're teaching a language and you go and the kids have one week or one lesson a month, or they have an assembly where they share the language, and then they go back to where everyone's speaking a different language, they're not going to become fluent or probably even learn that language. However, if everyone around them is speaking that language and they have an immersive experience both in the school and at home, we don't even have to give them a class in that. They're going to pick it up and become fluent because it's everywhere. And that's how kids learn is by modeling and watching and seeing and experiencing. So we need to work on the parents and the teachers and the staff. The other thing that's beautiful about this is they're burnt out and they're stressed out and they're there. They don't have the bandwidth or energy to do all of this and help all these kids with their issues because they are not, they haven't dealt with their own. So if we want adults to be able to be the support that our kids need, we have to first make sure the adults are okay. So a lot of what we teach is first about taking care of our own mental health making sure we're okay. This is about our own self-esteem. It's about our perceptions with ourselves. It's about how do we make decisions that align with who we are. When we start doing that, then we can show up for the kids and we can start creating those connections because a lot of the mental health, and it's interesting because um, it was just, um, how now I'm blanking on his name, which is terrible, but they just said loneliness is a, is, you know, is another pandemic, but, and they've said, they've said that before, right? The surgeon general, the surgeon general just announced this, which the surgeon general had announced this a few years ago too, but it continues. And this is a sense of feeling disconnected. People want to blame social media, but the problem I see is kids go to school and still feel disconnected at school. They're surrounded by people, but they're not building connections. Mm -hmm. These are the skills that help us build real connections, which is what's needed to support our mental health. So we teach this at home. We teach this in the schools. The adults everywhere now are modeling and creating a culture that boosts well-being. The kids naturally will all start learning those skills and, and adapting. Yeah. Every time I meet with a school leader, like whether it's a school principal or a district leader, or even superintendents, when I speak with them and, and I talk about this with them, I'm like, well, we have, we have to start with the adults. You know, you, sometimes they bring me in to work with the students or sometimes they bring me in, even most recently, they wanted to bring me in to meet with me about how, how can we use the material from our book to then give to teachers so that they can deliver it to students. And I said, wait a minute. I love what you're trying to do here, but why do you think we solve a problem after 30 years of trying that approach with SEL? That's why we're solving a problem. Same problem, 
Right. It's not the students are not the problem. Yeah. The students are reacting to the problem. So if we keep trying to fix them without fixing the system and why the problem exists, it's just going to keep getting worse. Yeah. We're going to stay the same results, of course. And that, that just makes sense. We know that systemically that's happening. It yeah. has happened. It will continue to happen unless we change it. And so people really love to hear that. Wow. Well, you know, I do have a parent engagement, either funding or initiatives. Really, we have initiatives, but we just don't know what to do with it. We don't know what yeah. to do. With it. And so I say, well, it's easy to say I have this uh, teacher professional development. Come on in and, and give these skills to them, which I'm happy to do. I do it all the time. I love doing that part. What I always tell the, the people I'm working with is we've got to think about bringing those parents in and bringing them in soon, because the sooner you bring them on board and give them the same darn skills, like you already mentioned before, Dr. Cam, that's when the real change in your school culture is going to change. So mm -hmm. how, how do you see that happening? Like, what would that actually look like if you worked well, when you do, because you do work with parents? How do you do I that? Do. Yeah. I mean, right now I work so individual with the, individually with a lot of parents and they all have the same issues and questions. I mean, it, it's like a handful of the same things. So what we can do is if we go through the school system, we can now give the information to all the parents because they're asking the same questions. They're dealing with the same issues. If we can now say, we're going to go and provide you solutions, we're going to give you the tools and equip you to help your child and to address these concerns. So they're no, and prevent most of it. That's our biggest thing. Let's prevent these issues. If we can give the parents the tools and the information to prevent and to address these problems at home, they're not sending the kids into the school who are now misbehaving because they're again, responding and reacting to their environment, not creating it. If we're able to do that, the parents and the teachers now speak the same language and have the same skills and they have the skills to connect with one another. We're no longer pointing fingers at one another and blaming each other, which is not helping the system, but we're able to team up. So now parents can go to teachers and teachers can go to parents, oh my gosh, and they can support one another and they can address. So when there's the bigger, which we're not going to get rid of all concerns, of course, there's going to be challenging behaviors and there's always going to be extreme cases, but we don't even have time to get to a lot of those because we're so overwhelmed with all these other, with just every case, right. this will eliminate a lot of the extra cases so that the people that are trained in the building can focus on the extreme cases that really require professional help. And the rest of us can take care of and prevent a lot of the issues that they don't, they're not necessary. A lot of these issues are, are preventable. Let's prevent them. Yeah. I, I mean, clearly I agree with you. <laughs> we talk about this really? all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it's also good when we challenge each other too, on some of these things, because they're big problems and, you know, we're not seeking to change every single problem right away. But yeah. we believe that with this preventative approach, we're, we're definitely going to see a change here. We've already seen it. We've already seen it. So, um, yeah. okay. So I also want to let people know, like if they do want to work with you and bring you into their schools to educate their parents and equip their parents, how do they get in touch with you, Dr. Cam? 
So they can go to actually the easiest way to find me is just to go to thrivingschool.org because they're right there. You can go to the main page and you've got parent education and you've got teacher PD. Parent education goes to me, teacher PD goes to you, right? So you directly can go there and that will find us. Um, you can also go, and this really goes kind of to another area in the site, but if they wanted to do just regular coaching or see what I do with parents too, they can go to the askdrcam.com, which is just another way to the same site. Um, but that really is the main information is how do we teach and educate parents is my main focus. And I think in order for this to be resolved, parents have to be part of the school solution. They absolutely have to be part of the school solution. We can't isolate the parents from any of this because they're too big of a part. And no matter what the schools do, if parents and families aren't involved, we still have that huge issue that is going to be sending kids into the problem or, or creating part of the problem. So if we really want to resolve that, we have to have parents involved. Absolutely. Yeah. So leaders who are thinking about ways that you can start off your next school year, or if you're in the middle of your school year, you're listening to this, or even at the end, and you're thinking about how do I make change? How do I engage parents more in our community? Well, let them know that it's not just their kids who will benefit because we all know that they will. They will benefit too, because they're having these problems at home. So reach out to them. It is a true community. It's a community solution so that we're all in this together and there's you know, not that separation anymore. We're all doing it in a unified way. So that's the goal. Um, so Dr. Kim, clearly like our you, people know about our book or whatever, but you have a separate book that you've written on your own. Talk, talk about that. I do. I don't even have it with me, but it is um, Power Phrases for Parents, the teen edition. And it really supplements everything that Charlie and I are doing by providing actual just prompts. So a, a lot of times that I did this because a lot of times parents will be like, I get the concept of that. I get it abstractly, but I don't know how to do it. So what I've done is on, under pretty much every single topic that you could be discussing with your kids, these are prompts for you to get the conversation going and going in the right direction. That's awesome. I mean, who doesn't need that? By the way, Teachers need this too. They could absolutely benefit from that too. Yeah. And school counselors, by the way, too. I think that they would really benefit and school social yeah. workers. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's working with a teenager, you always want that support. So please go find that. It's it's on Amazon. Tell them the, the title. It is on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. What's the title yep. again? Power Phrases for Parents, Teen Edition. Okay. So that's go it. Get that. Yeah. Go get that. Start there. Um, yeah. And I would love to to have people just reach out and find you online at thrivingschool.org. Also, because we're the Thriving School whole community, Dr. Cam and I are doing a virtual summit for educators in the fall, in the early fall. Yep. Yeah, I can't wait. Yes. And because parents are part of the solution, we are also doing a parenting summer uh, summit in the fall. And then we're going to bring everybody together in April. A lot of people don't know about this yet. So just check out thrivingschool.org because all the information is going to be there. All right, Dr. Cam, what are you going to leave our audience with? We're listening or we're, we're, we're speaking to educators, people who have a stake in education and improving school mental health and leaders who are desperate to do something about improving mental health in their schools for not only their, their students, but their staff. 
I think there's two things we want to focus on. The first one is we want to put more focus on prevention so that we're preventing a lot of these issues from happening in the first place. And the best way to do that is to focus on the adults so that they're doing okay. They're showing up for the kids they want, want the way we need them to. And when they're okay, they're going to model that and the students will become okay as well. Love it. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here again. We'll have you again. Oh, of course. I hope. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) This is long-term. All right, you all. So just go to thrivingschool.org if you'd like more information. And we've got a ton of free resources for you, actually. So just look at the top and click on free resources. It can support you. It can support your teachers. And it can also support your parents. So I'm, I'm glad you're here. Please like and share this episode with people that you think will benefit from this. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Dr. Kim, for being here. Thank you, Charlie.